Larry Lundy is a North Texas sports marketing lifer. He saw leadership positions for companies such as Advantage Marketing, IMG, and Walt Disney. Remember the NBA bubble last year in Orlando? That may not have happened without Lundy, who was a key member of the team that developed the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World. Larry now runs his own sports marketing firm, LMG, and is doing some very important work locally as president of Black Sports Professionals of North Texas. You're not gonna to wanna to miss his comments about adding value and being in the solution. Then, Cowboys training camp gets started in a mere two weeks. And as we found out this week, HBO's Hard Knocks will be there every step of the way. Shereen Williams, the Pro Football Hall of Famer herself, who covers the league for Pro Football Talk, will give us some insight into year two of the Mike McCarthy era and who she thinks the breakout star of, of Hard Knocks will be. Finally, the Rangers' Chuck Morgan, arguably the greatest PA announcer in Dallas-Fort Worth history, I'd put him uh, alongside Kevin McCarthy in that category, is here to talk about the three Rangers in the upcoming Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the art of the walk-up song, and what he may be downloading up in the Globe Life Field announcer's box between innings. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everyone. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission. Our next level intern, Marcus Carr, is back from official Mic Drop assignment. We found out that it was in Cancun. Monica, I don't know if that really was official yep. Mic Drop business that Marcus told us about. Uh, and he almost got Wally pipped by, by uh, Olivia Petnicki, who did a great job filling in for him. I'm pretty sure, Monica, that that Marcus is going to have to go Google Wally Pip to find out what that reference means. Uh, but but uh, good to have Marcus back at the controls. Thanks for listening, everybody. Monica, this is episode 21. We're still trying to get better each and every week. That's our mission here. Number 21, of course, makes me think of uh, Dallas Stars uh, rookie Jason Robertson, a mic drop favorite. We had a, a campaign to get him the the, uh, the Calder. came up a little bit short, but we like Jason Robertson. Number 21 uh, is actually uh, 17 different Mavericks have worn number 21. That, that is wow. tied with the number six as the most ever worn. And that really surprised me. 21 and six are not classic NBA numbers, I don't think. TCU's Dennis Nutt wore 21. Tony Faye's favorite Maverick, George McLeod, wore 21. Fat Lever, going back a few years, Ruben Sierra wore 21 for the Rangers, but it's got to be Deion Sanders if we're talking about famous Dallas number 21s. So welcome to episode 21. Uh, and speaking of the Rangers, Monica, some bright spots with Adolis Garcia, Joey Gallo, and Kyle Gibson, named to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Joey Gallo uh, entered the Home Run Derby uh, this week as well. That'll be exciting, uh, giving Dallas two connections in the Home Run Derby, along with Trevor Story of the Rockies, the pride of uh, the Irving High Tigers. So lots of signs of hope uh, recently with, with, the, with the Rangers. We're going to talk to Chuck Morgan a little bit about that, about that later. But what do you think of uh, 
what, what we're seeing out there at Globe Life Field, Monica, and then give us an update on what's happening, please, with the Dallas Sports Commission. Well, I, I think what we're seeing at Globe Life Field is uh, fantastic. Uh, a lot of people wanting to get out there and see that facility for the first time, uh, enjoying a little baseball in the in the air conditioning with a roof. Uh, very excited for, for these three guys in the MLB All-Star Game. I think we talked about that uh, a little bit last week and uh, hoping that they could uh, get there. So uh, very excited to continue to watch the uh, as that unfolds. Uh, but I do have a question for Marcus, you know, since you were on official assignment, Marcus in, in Cancun, I need to know, you know, what you brought back for us. Uh, you know, are there any, uh, emerging sports out there in Cancun that we may be able to bring to Dallas, you know, esports? What was it, Marcus, that, uh, you were able to bring back for us? Any nuggets? The NBA G league is headed to Mexico city. So how about, oh. how about that? We got a new team coming to Mexico city. The NBA is trying to go, global and they're going to start small with with the g league so coming next year we have a, a g league team in mexico city okay well i need to make sure you brought something back that way we we can uh you know still send you out on an on assignment to, uh, in the future so uh good news from marcus uh, from a sports commission standpoint a big weekend starting for us uh concacaf gold cup is starting here in market uh, so we'll have mexico el salvador curacao and uh, just recently uh, in the playoff was Trinidad and Tobago will be joining us. So uh, that'll kick off uh, on Saturday out at AT&T Stadium and Toyota Stadium. Uh, obviously, uh, 14th, 18th, and uh, the 25th of July. So a long month of, of soccer. We're very, very excited about that. Uh, World Food Championships tickets have gone on sale. So those of you who uh, enjoy cooking or enjoy food and uh, uh, want to see some amateur chefs uh, compete against one another, although the event's not until November out at Fair Park, you can get your tickets now. We've got a lot of uh, uh, women's uh, collegiate coaches in town uh, over at the convention center. We've got Clash of the Clubs event, which is a women's or girls basketball event, uh, some of the best in the country. So uh, a lot of excitement taking place there. And then uh, we received some news from FIFA, uh, kind of an update on our timeline. Uh, we had submitted our human rights plan last Wednesday, so uh, very excited to, to turn that in and get some feedback, but uh, received note from FIFA that our site visits uh, will be September through November time period. And uh, while we were anticipating uh, an announcement on host cities by December 2021, that's actually going to be pushed back until Q1, Q2 uh, in 2022. So still continuing on our quest to bring that World Cup uh, back to Dallas in 2026. Way to go. The, uh, the work continues, and I know you're on it. In fact, uh, we had news this week from HBO that the Cowboys will be featured for the third time on the show the all-access show, Hard Knocks, first team to be featured three times. It's been since 2008, so it's been a while. I love this show. I watch it all the time. Five-episode run debuts August 10th. With your work, Monica, on, on bringing the World Cup and other events uh, to Dallas, if, HBO, if an HBO crew followed you around all day, I know what they'd see, the hardest working person in show business, right? Well, Sully, you know, it's funny you say this. Uh, we have always wanted to do a kind of behind the scenes on a major bid, what it takes, uh, all the, you know, different meetings and discussions and partners that we have to to really showcase our region. So, you know, we never know. I, I may, may have to reach out to HBO or find someone here locally who can do a little behind the scenes on the on the Sports Commission and what it takes to, to bring a World Cup, a Super Bowl, or a major event uh, to town. 
I think it's a great idea and and I would definitely watch. So, uh, all right, good deal. Back in a moment to talk sports marketing and sports business with Larry Lundy. First, over to Rachel. PowerHands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through the designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, PowerHands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, PowerHands is Dallas-based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth and underserved communities. Go to PowerHands.com and improve your athletic performance today. Thanks, Rachel. I've been looking forward to this one. I'm really pleased to welcome Larry Lundy, the president of the Lundy Marketing Group to the mic drop. Larry is also the president of the Black Sports Professionals of North Texas. This is one of the early sports marketing leaders in, in Dallas. Way back, Larry, with the Advantage Marketing Group. Back in the day, we're going to get into that. Then Larry was lured to Disney World as director of marketing for Disney's Wide World Sports. You know, we, we take that for granted. We saw it in the bubble last year. Well, Larry was there at the birth of Disney's Wide World of Sports. Uh, he's run his own consulting practice for 19 years. Uh, his passion is his role as the president of the Black Sports Professionals of North Texas. This is a guy who knows a lot and has a great heart. Welcome to the mic drop, Larry Lundy. Hey, Kevin, it's great. Good to be here. What, what you know, I mentioned the Advantage Marketing Group. What, you, you represented Emmett Smith, uh, Roe Blackman. What, what, talk a little bit about those early days and, and how you reflect on that period and how things have evolved into what you're doing today at the Lundy Marketing Group. Well, first, I have to say, um, you know, we didn't have a sports commission. Dallas was a, the last city, major city, to get a sports commission. And back then, um, you can have probably three jobs in Dallas, real estate, oil and gas, and, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, if you got into banking. But I was selling real estate, and I made more money um, during that summer basketball camp for Wallace Bryant than I did in my real estate job. So that's how I got to Advantage Market Group. They were building a sports practice. Today, it would be like a CA or IMG or Boomerang if you saw the movie with Eddie Murphy because we had uh, <clears throat> pretty much, you know, the top athletes like Rolando Blackman, uh, Emmett Smith, uh, the bowl games like the Bayou Classics, the state games of Texas. We represented in Fortune 500 companies uh, as well. And so it was, uh, it was kind of the heyday. And, and you know, the Disney experience, tell us how that came to be and what, what that was like. And how, when you were watching the NBA bubble last year, uh, what, did, what did it feel like knowing that you were there at the, at the outset? Well, first, there's a great sense of pride because I knew how much work uh, went into securing that facility. Uh, and, and, and people might have made jokes about Lou Williams going to get chicken wings and bring them back in the complex. But it was very serious there because they had uh, the livelihood not only of their, their, their teammates and the families there, but the entire league and the entire sports world was watching. So if they were able to be successful there, then that kind of led the way for the rest of the sports world. And I, and I do have to thank the, the Dallas Cowboys and primarily Emmitt Smith for uh, in 1995, making it to the Super Bowl those two or three years, 92 to 95, because that's how I met Disney uh, doing his, you just won the Super Bowl, what are you going to do next? Go to Disney World. So if it wasn't, if they hadn't gone to the Super Bowl, I probably wouldn't have met Disney. But when I went down there and did Emmitt's deal, uh, there was uh, an opportunity. They were going to build a state-of-the-art sports complex, and they didn't have anybody who had that kind of background asking if I'd be willing to, you know, come down and take a look at it. So I talked to him about it. It was immediate. It was like, you know, who doesn't want to work at the number one entertainment company in the world, be the first director of sports marketing? And so 
I brought everything I had from Dallas with me down there, and uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And what about your work today with the London Marketing Group? What, what, what kind of projects and, and, and clients and events do you represent? We work with uh, Fortune 500 companies, uh, properties and events, and uh, talent and influencers. Uh, we, this is a busy uh, summer camp series for our NFL athletes. Um, we just finished up the Dietrich Wise, Wise Big Man Camp last week. Uh, who went to Hebron in Arkansas here, and we have the Malcolm Butler football camp next week, and we've got A.J. Andrews doing youth softball and girls softball camps around here uh, in Austin coming up. And I think one of the, the biggest things uh, that we did this year is work with FC Dallas. I know you guys have had Dan Hunt on, but working with his organization and Gina Miller and Megan Miller, uh, coming up with a homegrown partner program where we honored uh, five minority businesses, um, you know, there were 137 applied, but they picked a program that really made an impact. They didn't just want to do PR after all the George Floyd and social injustice that we've had over the last year, but those businesses are now being recognized as true partners with FC Dallas, and they're treated just like Toyota and, and everybody else is a corporate partner there, and they get all the benefits, and the 137 businesses that applied also got recognition for just, you know, that weren't primarily known about there. So that's one program that we're very proud of. To get into, I want to talk about your role with the Black Sports Professionals of North Texas. Some really meaningful family history uh, that you and I have talked about before. Uh, I talk about being a new boilermaker from time to time on the, on the pod. And there was the, the great Lamar Lundy, uh, who was the first Black player to get a football scholarship to Purdue. Uh, he played basketball at Purdue as well. He went on to an all-pro career with the Los Angeles Rams uh, for many years. This was a great NFL defensive lineman in the in the seventies, and uh, and and in you know he's your uncle. Is is that do I have it right? Your uncle? No, I think he's related on our father's side as a distant right. cousin, you might say. But his daughter and I still keep in touch, and she's uh, involved in architecture, real estate, and actually looking at some projects here in Dallas. And even part of that family, Joseph Price, who played basketball at Notre Dame. So there were a lot of Lundies running around there. But uh, I think if you look at the business of sports, uh, back when you were there, I think we have to look at even the Mavericks when you started. There weren't that many minorities on the business side of sports. Sure, you had Gar Hurd and Clifford Ray coaching. But uh, it's hard to believe the first African-American employee of the Mavericks was Bill Woods, the right. sales rep. And we have to give much respect to him for coming out there. And you wouldn't think that. This is in the 80s. So, yeah, so when we look at Black sports professionals, it's really about uh, giving opportunities to people in the business of sports and really educating them. We have four pillars, career awareness, uh, making sure our youth know that there are opportunities that you can actually have a job in the business of sports. Secondly, um, professional development, how you can be a Kelvin Selvin, learn how to do communication skills and presentations and all that. And then third, career advancement. We don't just want, you know, interns. I, I commend the Texas Rangers on the Charlie Pride uh, program, family friend that they're trying to create that. But we want those uh, interns to grow to be senior executives. So how do you get promoted? And then community and scholarship. How do we give scholarships to help people who want to pursue careers in the business sports? And we have great programs here at University of North Texas, SMU, Dallas Baptist, Texas and Commerce, and others who have business and sports programs if you want to pursue that. So that's something that is a passion. So Larry, I'm, I'm going to kind of go off of that. We've seen a lot of progress at the MAVs with black executives and leader, leadership positions, most notably Sint Marshall, the new GM, Nico Harrison. Kind of what are the state of affairs for black professionals on the, on the Dallas sports scene? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of progress, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities out there, but still a long way to go. I think uh, you, you have to I give Mark Cuban all the credit in the world for bringing St. Marsh Lawn and her team, Gail Banyan and Greg Nard, and all the individuals that we've worked with over there have just been first class. But I think those are some of the best and brightest. Dallas is a top, you know, one, two, three sports city. I mean, we don't just have you know, four professional sports, like some cities, we got like seven, you know, yep. when you include WNBA and we've got the rugby league here now. So we've got two PGA, you know, golf tournaments and two NASCAR races, Indy League. So this is probably one of the top, if not the top sports marketplace in the nation. And I think um, it's incumbent upon us to help give those opportunities uh, and earn them. So I would say the state is is good, especially when you look at the Mavericks, but still a long way to go. We have Derek Eagleton just got promoted to be a vice president of Dallas Cowboys. I think that's something that uh, you probably don't hear a lot about, but he's earned his way over there. And I think uh, the Rangers are trying to do their part, like I said, with the Charlie uh, Pride Scholarship Program for interns. But we have a long way to go in terms of we're talking about ownership and leadership in Sleason. Well, I'm gonna. You mentioned your your partner program with FC Dallas and and your role in creating that. I have to say that we did uh, really evaluate that program as we were putting together our FIFA World Cup uh, human rights plan as well, and how we can uh, further make make progress there and and look at it from a long term standpoint uh, all the way through 2026. So I may be circling back with you uh, to get some guidance and some of your feedback and uh, integrate uh, some of that into our plan. So look forward sure. to. Further and in I that give FC Dallas all the credit. They they came up with that program and, and brought me in actually to help implement it. So it was uh, like I said, one of the highlights of 2021. So I look forward to doing that with other sports organizations. Yep. So um, I I also teach a class uh, at SMU. I may be taking the the fall semester off, but I always like to get get feedback uh, from a lot of our guests on you know as these students are up and coming. Uh, what advice can you give them, Larry, of, hey, you know, they, they know they want to be in sports or they think they want to be in sports. I try to prep them early on, you know, uh, entry sports job. You're not going to be making big bucks. So uh, what but what do they need to do or be thinking about at this point in their life as they try to get into the sports uh, market? Well, Monica, I tell them just like these kids who want to be agents. They're more agents than they are players. Yep. There are actually more uh, people who want to get into sports than there probably are sports jobs. So you have to be work harder. Uh, be strategic, develop your relationships, and have a sense of urgency to to add value to every opportunity that you get. There's there's not like the good old days where you would see like an opportunity. And, and sure, you know, if your name is Jones, you're gonna have a better opportunity at the Cowboys, maybe, and you know, maybe the Cubans have a better opportunity than Mavericks. But those are the frontline workers. If you don't have that, you're gonna have to be a little bit spectacular coming out of school and create value, be a problem solver, uh, because there's something every day that you can do. That in the in the world of sports. And in fact, everybody that can't work for the Mavericks and the Cowboys. So look at all these great sports that are arriving. We have a lacrosse team that's coming up. We have Dickey's Arena. Do you know that we had, uh, I was a judge of the Sports Business Journal, you know, awards. North Texas had three of the top five venues that were considered. There's so many opportunities at Dickey's Arena, Gold Black Park, and AT&T Stadium. So there is enough opportunities here for everybody to pursue but you have to add value when you get there. You have to have uh, problems that uh, people are trying to solve. And so sales is one of those, but there are a lot of other opportunities too. 
So what, uh, I, I know black sports professionals of North Texas have a lot of events throughout the year, obviously. Um, you, I think you remain pretty active during during COVID, although probably virtually a little bit more than in person. Um, what events do you have uh, up and coming for 2021, 2022 uh, um, season? Well, uh, over the last three or five years, we've really had a program every month, uh, pretty much on some kind of leading figure. We don't just look for the, the best North Texas. We've had, you know, the chief people officer of Major League Baseball. We've had Monica, who's spoken to us in probably one of the coldest days of the year ever in 2019. So appreciate you doing that, Monica, yep. uh, to, to expose our members to opportunities in the business of sports. Um, we, we've talked about not only baseball, we've had uh, Brad Alberts host us with hockey. So we're not narrowing any opportunities. Next month, we're going to do a program on esports. For people who are curious about it, you might have played video games, but there's a whole ecosystem of esports. So we're going to explore that. And then, um, you know, we're one of the leaders in collegiate athletics here. So we've got our own Scotty Rogers, who works over at the Cotton Bowl and has joined us. And I'm pretty sure we're going to look at some opportunities in college athletics as well. And we've got uh, individuals like Brian Dennis, who started off in the bicycle and security of the Rangers, now deals in the boardroom as the vice president of the Rough Riders. And we're looking to see how we can um, acclimate into minor league sports. And we've had a number of members that have joined us that are actually creating opportunities every month that we can consider and take a look at. You know, Larry, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the, these names, Scotty and Breon, and uh, it, one of our last mic drop uh, recordings or, and shows, uh, I think Bill Hancock said, you know, what makes uh, Dallas special? Yes, we have the venues, we can host major events, but it's also the people here uh, that really lean in and are, are, are really a part of our sports ecosystem and uh, want to make us better day by day. And I, I think what you said really just hit on that and kind of expanded it, that we are very fortunate that uh, we have a lot of sports uh, executives and um, people who, you know, outside of their day job continue to help make Dallas better from a sports standpoint. And Bill Hancock is one. I mean, he hired Andrew Williams to be a CEO or CEO for college football playoffs. So it takes individuals like Dan Hunt, Clark Hunt, Mark Cuban. I mean, they own the team, so they have to make decisions. So, you know, the Charlotte Jones and Stephen Jones now, they've got to be the ones that say, you know, here's an opportunity, but you just can't have uh, somebody just for the sake of having a role. You've got to have the best and brightest. So I think by having people like Derek Eaton and those who are contributing, that's going to bode well for the next generation. Larry, as we let you go here, <clears throat> you gave a, a great answer to Monica's question of, for young people about yeah, adding value and, and being solution oriented. But what what call to action do you have for the sports executives in our area who have not stepped up in the way that that Mark Cuban or Bill Hancock or others may, may have? What's what's your challenge for them to help create opportunity and increase the pipeline? Well, I think if they want to be successful as a business, it's just common sense. It's the business case. Uh, you know, now that we're into 2021, uh, a lot of North Texas doesn't look the same way it looked in 1970. So if they want their garner their fair share of tickets holders, new sponsors, and appealing to this growing, growing their revenue and licensing and their TV and ratings, it, it, it just it's just business. And so if you want to be successful, it's uh, incumbent upon you to have the best and brightest around that can actually target those customers they want and actually have the leaders on the inside of your organization that can give you the best um, practices that you need to be successful as an organization. So I would suggest that they, you know, if they want to be successful, just kind of 
course, doing business. Of course, we're happy to talk to them as well. And look forward to getting out in 2021 as things come back and just having those conversations with them, how we can help them. Well, Larry, thanks for joining us. Continued success with the important work you're doing with the Black Sports Professionals of North Texas. People can find you on, the, on, on your website, on LinkedIn, and we encourage people to uh, who are listening to, to get involved. So thanks, Larry, for joining us. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win. <coughs> we want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now, now we're happy to be joined by Shireen Williams of NBC Sports Pro Football Talk. Shireen has covered the NFL for 28 years, including at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram from 1999 to 2017. She was honored with the Dick McCann Award in 2018. That means that she is in the writer's wing of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. She was the first woman to have a Pro Football Hall of Fame vote. Uh, and by the way, that that uh, that Dick McCann Award is given for long and distinguished reporting on pro football. She later won, uh, right before that, actually won the Blackie Sherrod Award for lifetime achievement in covering sports in Dallas, Fort Worth. Shireen is way too young to have all these lifetime achievement <laughs> awards. Uh, she's covered seven Olympics. We want to ask her about that too, uh, Monica. Uh, as I hand it over to you, not only is, is Shireen an Aggie, but she won the Texas A&M Distinguished Ooh. Alumni Award in 2020. <laughs> so, so Shireen, good luck with Monica in this first part of the interview. <laughs> I think she'll be nice. Yes, yes, I, I will be nice. I know that she's an Aggie. I, I remembered it uh, from uh, when we did our Blackie Sherrod Award and, and everything like that. It kind of reminded me when I was reading the notes, and I'm like, oh, man, all these Aggies on here, but it's okay. Uh, welcome to the show, Shireen. Uh, really great having you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So uh, just, just a few questions. Um, we talked at the beginning of the show. Uh, the Cowboys are going to be on HBO's hard knocks, uh, I think the, th the third time. Uh, so what do you think, uh, will be the surprise human interest story coming out of, uh, uh, that show? Well, it's hard to predict, right? With the Cowboys, because <laughs> they always do something you don't expect them to do. So who knows what's going to come out of this? I don't know who their great personality is right now. You know, you think back to some of those other shows that they had and they had some terrific personalities on there. I'm not sure. We, we know they're probably going to follow Dak Prescott around a lot. Um, so he'll be obviously with his ankle rehab and, and coming back off of that will be a, a focus of the show. But, you know, I would think Jerry Jones is probably going to be the biggest life of that show and probably pump it up quite a bit just with his personality and, and everything he does and, and says. I think you know, we've gone a long time now with COVID, not hearing from Jerry, not hearing from Jerry a lot. And I think he's ready to talk. So maybe Jerry is the star of this show. Oh, I think you may be right. Uh, when, I, when I was looking at this question, I'm like, I, I think it may be Jerry. Uh, I think he may spice it up a little bit. Uh, we never know what to expect uh, from Jerry. So what do you think um, we may see from the Cowboys on the field this this season? 
well, they're interesting and they come with a lot of ifs, you know, if Tyron Smith can play all 16 games or 17 games or most of those 17 games, if Zach Martin is right, if Lyle Collins, who missed all of last season, is healthy this season, if Dak Prescott is, is really good, if Zeke Elliott can be the Zeke Elliott that we knew from his first three years, if, if, if. There's a lot of ifs, and, and I know it's that way with a bunch of teams, but with the Cowboys in particular, they've got to be better on defense, and they've got to keep their key players on offense healthy. If they can do all of that, and it's a lot of ifs again, but if they can do all that, I think they're a playoff team. Can they go farther than that? Perhaps. I, I would give them a chance to do that, but you know, just on paper, when you look at them and you compare them to a team like Tampa Bay, I don't think they're at Tampa Bay's level right now. Maybe they can become to that level. A lot depends on how much that defense improves. But I would say right now they have a chance to win the NFC East. And that's where you start. As a team, that's where you start. You try to win your division. And then after that, you know, you, you start thinking about the playoffs and what you can possibly do there. So the first goal is to win the, the NFC East, and they certainly have a chance to do that. I think we everyone would agree they have a chance because we know how bad the East was last season. Everyone had a chance last season to do that. Even the Cowboys without Dak Prescott had a chance to do that. So, Shireen, I had a chance to, to read up uh, on some stories, and obviously you have a lot of uh, accomplishments. Uh, but I'd like to know a little bit more about uh, – uh, when you got your start, and uh, especially I, I, I hear that you did some practice play-by-play uh, -play -play on the swing set. Your hero is Roger Staubach. You had an uh, a opportunity to uh, obviously interview him many times, but uh, through, through your career, what was your favorite uh, memorable moment? And, you know, give us, uh, our listeners, an idea of how did you get to where you are? Well, when I was in the second grade, Monica, I asked my teacher, Cindy Bridges, how far it was to Dallas. And she said, well, it's about 300 miles. It's a five-hour drive. Why do you want to know? <laughs> and I said, I'm going to marry Roger Staubach, thinking, you know, teachers are supposed to be smarter than this, right? So um, fast forward, I did practice a lot in the swing set. I probably thought it would be more in the play-by-play -play area. And I never knew that girls didn't do that. Like, I, it's just something that I wanted to do. So I practiced on my swing set. As you said, I pulled off the little rubber cap and did play-by-play -play in my swing set. And it reverberated. And I think Roger Staubach threw about a 1,000 touchdown passes to Drew Pearson in my time calling the team. Um, and, and then I ended up, that was my goal. Peyton Newton, the newspaper came out and, and did a story on me as the Cowboys' youngest fan and mentioned my love for Roger Staubach. And, I said in there, I want to cover the Dallas Cowboys when I grow up. And and so that's what I started working for. And obviously it worked out. And I don't know how many second graders get to live out their dream, but uh, it was really cool to be able to do that and, and accomplish uh, what I have. And you never get into this to, to win awards or do first or any of that, as you know, Monica. But, um, you know, I think it says that you, when you, do those things that you've done a good job um, and it and it is some verification that that people recognize that you've done good work so I that is the cool part of it no question about it and and I'm very grateful and humbled to have set some first and accomplished some things and been awarded um, you guys gave me a, a really precious award that was probably the first really big award that I won 
Um, so it's been a, a cool experience to get there and, and there have been so many memories along the way, but I do feel young as, as Sully said in the beginning, I, I don't feel old and I feel like I have a bunch more left to accomplish and certainly uh, some time to accomplish that. And, and writing a book would probably be the, the one thing I haven't done that I would love to do. Not sure if it's fiction or nonfiction, but at some point I'd like to write a book. Well, I'm kind of hoping it's nonfiction, honestly, because I think you have some great stories back there that you're holding in that we would really uh, like like to hear. So please let us know when it, when that's out. I'll do yeah, that. We'll, and we'll bring it back on, on your media tour, Serena, to promote it. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I had a conversation with with Clarence Hill Jr., your old your old buddy and colleague from the Star-Telegram, following the 2020 NFL draft about media access sort of in the pandemic era. And he made a fantastic, I think, important point for sports fans. And that was with everything on Zoom, he didn't get to talk to the, you know, the backup tight end. He didn't get to build those different relationships that you have throughout the locker room. You're, you're, you know, the quarterback, the head coach, the star of the game are going to be made available. But the relationship building uh, was going to suffer and that readers were, were going to end up suffering as a result with not getting quite the insider of the stories. I'd love to hear your, your take on, on that. Uh, he also talked about the, you know, when, when the press conference happens, he would follow Jerry down the hall and would oftentimes get the best stuff in that, you know, walk down the hall, which of course is unavailable on Zoom. What, when do you, what do you think of that, his take on that? And, and what, what do you think media access rules will be like as we go forward now for your, your work covering the NFL? Yeah, you know, so it's a great point. And He's right on, you know, it was really a hard year getting those interviews and, and making them work and you're not getting the lesser players. So you're not getting the bottom of the roster and there's some great stories to be told down there. Uh, and, and we just didn't get those. And my biggest fear is former president of the Pro Football Writers of America, and I'm still on the board there was that going forward teams and players really liked the zoom experience and, and the lower level Players on the roster liked not having to do the interviews and others liked only doing them once a week and all those things. And, and my fear was that teams and players were going to push for this. And we're now seeing that teams and players are now pushing for us to remain this way going forward. So that's my biggest fear. We don't know really what 2021 is going to look like. I think it's going to be sort of a cross. I don't, think we'll get to go back into the locker room in 2021. I think they're going to bring players out or get them off the field or however we end up doing it. I think it's going to be a little more than 2020, but I do have some fear there that, that things have changed because of COVID and now they're going to use health and safety as a reason for us not to go back in the locker room. And, you know, we saw this really with 9-11. We used to go on the field at the end of games uh, for the last, you know, five minutes, two minutes, whatever it was. But at the end of games, we'd be on the field. Well, after 9-11, they banned us from the field saying it was for health and safety, you know, measures. And, and I think we're going to see the same thing with COVID. So we're working on that now. We're fighting it. All the, the, the media groups are, are working together. But I do think it's an injustice to the fans to not to be able to hear uh, those stories of some of the other players on the team, besides the quarterback, besides the star running back and the receiver, which is who you hear most from, because there are some great stories down there uh, that, that 
that people would like to read and, and players I'm sure would like to tell some of those stories. Yeah, we were just talking with Larry Lundy about opportunities for, for uh, you know, black professionals in, in the sports world. You were a pioneer as a woman in sports journalism. You know, Dallas Fort Worth has always been pretty good. You know, going back to Rhonda Glenn, the late Rhonda Glenn at Channel 5 years ago, and Susie Woodhams and Kathy Harasta. And I'm, I don't want to leave people out. There were a lot. But what, what is the state today? We, we're, we're still do, you know, doing well on that, on that scorecard with the Emily Joneses and Dana Larson's. Uh, who, who do a fantastic job and, and others. Uh, how are we doing? What's the state uh, for women in, in, in sports journalism? Well, it's certainly been good in DFW, as you pointed out, and, and uh, it's expanding and, and we're seeing it more and more. You know, if women want to do this, they're now able to do that, do this, and they have the path uh, to, to get there. They, they know it's been done and it can be done again, certainly. And so, I think all those things are positive and there are some good women to do this and, and have done it now. And, uh, you know, the Melissa Ludkeys who, who had to sue to go in the locker room and all those people you're, you're, who you mentioned and others, you're very grateful for the path that they laid down for me. And hopefully I've laid down the path for, for others coming up um, that, that they can see that it, it can be done. And, you know, like I said, when I was in the second grade and I wanted to do this, I had no idea that, uh, girls didn't do this. It was just my dream to do it. And, and I was going to find a way to do it and have been fortunate enough to do it. And, you know, I know this is a, a, a double negative, triple negative, whatever it is, but I think you'll get the point, you know, just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, and, and now women see that it has been done, it can be done, uh, and it will be done if it's something that they want to do and work hard enough for. Now, Pro Football Talk, part of NBC Sports, obviously Mike Florio is a, is a, is a dynamo. Uh, you know, that, that's a site that not that many years ago no one heard of and now has enormous influence. Where does the media landscape go from here? I mean, you're obviously writing some, some stories that are being read probably more than in your Star-Telegram days. So what, 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 how do you assess the, the sports media landscape broadly today? Yeah, it's been pretty incredible, and I've learned a lot of things. You know, having been in the newspaper business all of my career up until 2017, uh, to do this, I've, I've figured out some things and what people like to read, and they they don't like to read, you know, thousand word, fifteen hundred word stories that much. We're in a quick society, and we like reading those short posts. So we take a lot of stories and break them down into three, four, five posts. I mean, we just did that recently with with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, on a podcast he did and just broke that into various subjects. And especially this time of year, it's, there's not a lot going on, but I think you're right. I mean, I think this is the way it's headed. And, you know, we get about average about 4 million hits per day. And you start averaging that out to how many hits that is, you know, one month we hit 60 million. And, and so you're seeing those numbers just are huge numbers. Um, and not everybody who, who goes that route is going to hit those huge numbers, but I think that's the way that, that media is going at this point with what new, what's happening at newspapers. Uh, we've all seen it. I mean, I was, I was a victim of that, of the layoffs, and, and got laid off in, in 2017 and now have landed at a great place at NBC. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think this is where it's headed, Kevin. I, I think it's headed toward the internet and not having that printed product that 
I think all of us on here grew up, you know, reading the paper and holding the paper. And I think those days are probably numbered. As we, as we let you go, Shireen, you covered a lot of Olympics and I know you're, you're, you, you love that experience. I remember you and I talking about it in Vancouver in 2010. What do you think for, what should people look for in Tokyo? Are you going to miss it? What are you, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm going to miss it so much. And I just saw they announced that there's not going to be any fans there. That's just going to be terrible not to have those athletes compete in front of fans. But I am glad that they're getting to compete a year late. Uh, but it's really cool that, that they're out there getting to do what they love to do and what they've trained now five years uh, to do some of them is to get that Olympic experience. But it's going to be way different. It's going to be different not being there. The last summer games I didn't go to was 2000. Uh, in um, Sydney was the last one, last summer games I didn't go to. So it will be different watching it on TV. I'm excited to see it though. I certainly uh, want to watch gymnastics and, and Simone Biles and see what she's going to do. One of our greatest athletes in any sport ever, I think. And she's just been amazing uh, with what she's done. And I, that I'm not a huge gymnastics fan, but I am a Simone Biles fan and I will watch every second of everything she does because she's so exciting to watch, but track's probably my favorite event. So I will be watching a lot of track and field and, and also miss not seeing Michael Phelps out there, frankly, uh, and watching him. The last Olympics I, I went to in a four, it was one of the greatest moments of my career. Uh, in a four day span, I got to see Michael Phelps, Simone Biles and Usain Bolt uh, win gold medals in, in within four days. And they're, I would say, the greatest, among the greatest, if not the greatest, I think you could probably say the greatest uh, in their sport. So really cool experience uh, to see those three athletes. And now Simone, the only one of those three who's going back. But I'm sure we'll see some great moments and some records and a, and, and a bunch of American gold medals. And I think we're all looking forward to that. But it's going to be fun. Well, Shereen, those are, uh, you know, once in a generation athletes and you're once in a, once in a generation reporter. So thanks for, for, uh, for, for, for joining us. Really great to have you on the show. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Thanks, Rach. And now we are honored here on the mic drop to be joined by public address announcer royalty, uh, Chuck Morgan of the Texas Rangers. He does more than just the PA. We'll get to that. Chuck is in his 43rd year in professional baseball. He serves as the Rangers PA announcer, oversees all scoreboard and video production for Rangers home games. So when you're at a game at Globe Life Field, all the stuff that you see going on is Chuck's team's uh, handiwork, and they do a great job. Been with the Rangers for 38 of the last 39 years, beginning with the 1983 season. 3,001 consecutive Major League Games was a milestone that Chuck hit at the end of last season, not missed a game in Texas or in that one season in Kansas City. We're not sure what happened there, Chuck, but but uh, that one season when you were in Kansas City and the microphone that Chuck used to announce that 3,000th consecutive game and for the 2020 World Series at Globe Life Field, 
now resides at the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. So just like Shireen's a Hall of Famer, so is Chuck. Uh, this is the guy who created, you know, the dot race for crying out loud at, at, at Rangers games for six years. And this is how our intern Marcus Carr knows you, Chuck. Is he, Chuck did some voiceover work on MLB video games on you know, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo. But Chuck was also an announcer at the Grand Old Opry on WSM in Nashville. Uh, this is a guy, he made several uh, appearances in the cornfield on Hee Haw for crying out loud. Uh, so Chuck, I, we could go on and on. I'm sorry for the long introduction, but it's a real thrill to have you on. You've had such a, a fascinating career. Where does creating the dot race rank on your, uh, on your hit parade? Well, I'd have to put it uh, near the top because that's, uh, you know, a lot of the fans still get into the dot race and we've uh, got different versions now where the dots are, uh, are actually live on the field, which we started about 10 years ago. So uh, it ranks pretty high, but uh, you know, uh, people will probably be disappointed to find out that originally that was because uh, since I was trying to sell promotions and program ads and things like that, the dot race was a, was an idea to help sell a promotion for me. So uh but uh, it, it's really a great thing every night at the ballpark. How would you, uh, how would you describe your, your style as a public address announcer? And, and what do you do to prepare for every game? Well, my style is probably uh, a little bit traditional and then a little bit more over the top. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, in the 1960s and my first ballpark was Sportsman's Park in St. Louis. And there was a guy named Charlie Jones who did the games there in a very traditional manner where, uh, and I still do this today, even, you know, even back when I was a kid, he would announce the player twice, uh, either a change or during the lineups. And the reason why he did that, as you well know, is so the fan could write his name down in the scorecard. And uh, so I still do that today, but then at the same time, I used to listen to Dave Zinkoff at the Philadelphia 76ers back in the uh, late sixties and early seventies. I was a big Wilt Chamberlain fan growing up and I would try to dial in the 76ers games and, and you could hear uh, Zinkoff in the background saying basket by Hal Greer. So always uh, uh, kind of a combination of traditional and, and a little bit over the top. So Chuck, I have a quick, uh, quick question for you. I, I noticed in the in the notes here that you were responsible for the creation of the Texas Rangers Baseball Hall of Fame, um, and you know, love to get some perspective of how that process uh, started. And I, I have some ulterior motives here. Of uh, the reason I'm asking this question is we, from from a Dallas Sports Commission standpoint, are interested in creating our own Dallas Sports Hall of Fame. So I'd like to get some advice and guidance from you of how, of when you started that Rangers uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, you know that uh, Kevin mentioned that one year I worked in Kansas City. I was there for eight months, and and Kansas City at, at that time did have a Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame. And, and when I came back to Texas, I approached ownership about that the, the we'd had some great players that have passed through the uh, uh, ballparks and, and through Ranger uh, history. And I felt like they needed to be honored in some way. So that's the way it came about. And originally we started out by having the fans vote and, and the fans did a great job on voting for Ranger Hall of Famers. And eventually we went into a a committee situation where we are now. So, uh, but it, it originally started out as let the fans vote for who they thought should be in the Texas Rangers Hall of Fame. And, 
and the first uh, class and Johnny Oates and Jim Sundberg, Nolan Ryan and, and Charlie Huff were excellent choices and uh, the fans did a good job, but that it's pretty, it was pretty basic uh, thing. We let had a fan vote and uh, fans uh, voted to get guys in and now we have a committee, but it's, it's really worked real well. And, you know, it's, it's designed that uh, some years there might not be somebody go in and years that uh, other years, there's two or three guys go in, but it, it's, it's worked real well. Chuck, the, I love how, you know, with the players walk up music, how you put what the song is and who the artist is. So the players have walk up music. Do you have walk up music? And you know, what, what's it, what's, what, as you approach the microphone for a game, what's playing in, in your head? <laughs> you know, I, I grew up in the, uh, somebody, uh, in fact, I was having a conversation yesterday with Mark McLemore about that. And, and, you know, uh, when I, I grew up in the 1960s and my parents listened to the hits and so I would be riding in the car with them, hearing uh, any, anything from uh, from uh, Johnny Cash to Motown, and I, I always defaulted to Motown. I uh, that uh, that's 1960s music uh, really left an impression on me, and uh, it helped me in my career in Nashville. But uh, I think Kevin, if I had to do something, it would be something Motown. And I always tell uh, all the players that I always. Uh, if I was coming up to bat, it would probably be sending a message to a girlfriend or a wife up in the seats to let them know that, uh, that I care and I love them. And, uh, but the, it, it would be a Motown type thing. Well, good deal. We'll have to come up with one. All right, Chuck. So this is the portion of the program where we ask our guests what they're downloading, what they're streaming it can be sports related. Doesn't have to be book, music, podcast, TV, movie. What are you streaming and downloading these days? Well, I got a couple of uh, podcasts I listen to. I listen to Baseball Tonight, which would be pretty obvious. I have uh, always been a big fan of, of Buster Olney. He's an old Vanderbilt grad, and and he does a great job on that. You get all kinds of up-to-the-minute baseball information, so it's the Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney. You know, the other thing, Kevin, I've become uh, involved uh, over the last year in a lot of analytic statistics that uh, – we now have the ability when a fan comes to the ball game to put some of those stats up on the board. So I listen to a podcast uh, about once a week called baseball or, or uh, ballpark dimensions, and they cover a lot of things in there. And, and in this day and age, we are able to, you know, now we're able to time a player and have it instantly appear on the scoreboard of how fast he runs from home to first. We have metrics on uh, uh, like a Joey Gallo throw from the outfield. We get the throwing metrics. So the scoreboard advancement uh, that we're able, the things that we're able to uh, put up on the board has really uh, helped the fan experience at the ballpark. But uh, in order to stay up to date on those types of things, I listened to that uh, Ballpark Dimensions uh, uh, podcast, a lot of analytic discussion on there. And, you know, uh, uh, and I'm even now learning how to do over the last six months to work with XWOBA, which is expected weighted on base average. So listening to that, that type of podcast helped me very much, helps me very much to, ed to be educated on those uh, new uh, analytic stats. And then, you know, as far as a book, the, the last book I downloaded and uh, was, uh, I was very good friends with a couple of songwriters in Nashville who were two of the first people to actually start a career as songwriters when they made they made it a career was Boudelow and Felice Bryant who back in the 1950s wrote a lot of songs about uh, uh, for the Everly Brothers and they wrote uh, the Tennessee uh, fight song which is Rocky Top and uh, they wrote a lot of songs but I've been I interviewed them several times when I was at WSM and uh, got to meet them so I've been reading their uh, 
their biography of, uh, of their, how their career started and how they got together. And I'm uh, just uh, learning a little bit more about Boudlow and Felice Bryant. Fascinating. And I, I love uh, the history angle on that one and ballpark dimensions. It's something I'm going to check out. So Monica, what are you uh, streaming and downloading this week? Well, I'm going to have to say, I may have to check out that ballpark dimensions too. I'm, I, I like analysis. So that would be very interesting for me. Um, Nothing too exciting, uh, Sully, but uh, I, what I'm working on is some additional sounds for our soundboard here to imp- increase our production value here on, on the mic drop so so that I don't have to give you crickets, uh, to, you know, when you fall <laughs> off or, uh, you know, booze when there's Aggies or Sooners on here. I, I need some, like, positive uh, uh, audio clips, so I'm going to work on that here uh, over the week. Yeah, Chuck may be able to help you with that. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, oh, we, so, we have all kinds of drops we can get to you. <laughs> there you go. So uh, my download this week is one that I think is close to Chuck's heart. It's the Rookie, the 2002 uh, baseball movie. The This is, to me, one of the underappreciated, underrated uh, sports movies uh, of, of, uh, of, of the last several years. Came out in 2002, starring Dennis Quaid as... as, as uh, uh, the pitcher, the rookie at age 35, Jim, Moore, uh, why am I uh, freezing on his name, Chuck? The pitcher, uh, Jim Morris, Jim Morris. Uh, th- th- that was that was a bad moment. Jim Morris, who at age 35 made his debut and his fate would have it. His debut was at the ballpark in Arlington, where he came in in September of 1999 to face the Rangers Royce Clayton and the man who introduced Dennis Quaid in the movie as Jim Morris was was Chuck Morgan. What was that experience like? It was it was a couple of nights of just uh, it was it was great. And the best part of that, you know, you, you know, is, is one thing There's two things. You get a a the mailbox money, you know, as uh, as Matthew McConaughey's told me, that's the best thing in the world is get money in your mailbox. You know, you still get, <laughs> I'm still getting the six dollar and 17 cent check. But the best part of that, Sully, was the the night we that they actually filmed. Uh, we were playing the Indians, and it was our job, uh, my staff's job, to keep the fans in the ballpark till about uh, four or five o'clock in the morning. We'd had a game against Cleveland, and we had about thirty-five thousand there that night, and uh, we were able to keep ten thousand people in the ballpark till about four o'clock in the morning. And of course, Disney was uh, the producer of the movie, and. And they gave us all kinds of great prizes, anything from trips to Disney World to televisions. And what we would do between tapings were we, we played games like uh, Name That Tune and Let's Make a Deal. And, and then uh, there were other times that I got to actually interview Dennis Quaid and then the, the director. And they would explain to the fans what was about to happen and, and what they needed from the fans. So that was the best part of that was uh, the actual filming in, in – uh, the ballpark in Arlington, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I went, I thought I was going to have a script and everything, but when I went to record my part, uh, they just said, Hey, do what you normally do. So, uh, uh, it was kind of an ad lib thing, but, uh, it, it was a lot of fun and uh, very enjoyable. Well, well that check it out, people, the rookie, you can, you can, you can download it. Uh, and for all of you fans of the HBO show succession, which is coming back in the fall, Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy in succession, plays the part of Dennis Quaid's father. So it's a great movie. I, I, I highly recommend it. And, and Chuck, just before we let you go, I, I went out to the ballpark, uh, kind of a family outing on Monday night. We had a two-year-old and we had 
with our group of 12 all the way up to 84. And the customer service at Globe Life Field was, was outstanding. Uh, the experience we had was great. The concessions for most of us, it was our first time there, especially with people. And, and I just encourage people, go check it out because it's, it's really a great fan experience at Globe Life Field. And a lot of that uh, has to do with Chuck and, and, and his team. So thank you for, for all that you're doing out there. And good luck to Joey Gallo in the Home Run Derby and, and Gibson Garcia and Gallo in the game, right, Chuck? Oh, yeah, we're excited about it. We got the news on uh, Joey Gallo going to be in the Home Run Derby. We're looking forward to that. Anytime you can, as you well know, anytime you can have a player on those type of stages, it's, it's pretty special. We don't believe in the myth that the home run derby screws you up. So, because uh, there's there's guys that have done better after participating in the home run derby. So, thanks, Chuck, for joining us on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission. Uh, also, thanks to Larry Lundy and Shireen Williams, and of course our Mike Drop production team, Chris Amelia. Special help this week from Amanda Larder, Marcus, Carl, Olivia, Petnicki, and our showrunner Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.